We're the only academic medical center covering a large geographic area from the San Francisco Bay Area, north to Oregon Health Sciences and east to University of Utah Health. Uh, so it's a large region and it's growing faster locally than anticipated before the pandemic, you know, with migration of workforce from the San Francisco Bay Area for lower cost of living in Sacramento, we're growing uh, much faster than we anticipated. So meeting the demand and referral growth is a real challenge. Welcome to the All Access Pass, a podcast brought to you by the Patient Access Collaborative, giving you an exclusive behind the scenes look at all things access in the ambulatory enterprise. Here, patient access leaders from academic health systems and industry experts share their expertise on hot topics in access, including best practices, process development, organizational dynamics, technological innovation, and patient experience. Thank you so much for joining me for the All Access Pass podcast. My name is Elizabeth Woodcock. And I'm the founder and the executive director of the Patient Access Collaborative. I am so excited to be joined by three amazing experts in ambulatory care management. With me virtually, I have Mike Condren, who is the interim chief administrator of UC Davis Medical Center and interim COO of UC Davis Hospital Division. Jennifer Hayden, who is the associate vice president of patient access and ambulatory facilities for Atrium Way. Forest Baptist, and Alpa Prashir, who is the Director of Operational Performance Improvement, Ambulatory Care Services of New York Presbyterian Hospital. Thanks so much, all three of you, for joining me. Let's start by orienting our audience. I'd appreciate your giving us just a little point of reference. We're talking about the ambulatory care, the ambulatory enterprise. So maybe let's talk about the volume, the number of encounters in the ambulatory enterprise of your respective health systems. Alpa, can we start with you? Yeah, so for us at New York Presbyterian, it's just over 3 million outpatient visits. And again, that's for New York Presbyterian. Uh, It's even larger when we think about our Columbia and Cornell partners. Wow. Mike, what about you? Hi, good morning. Thanks for having us. Uh, We have about 1.8 million outpatient encounters across UC Davis Health, inclusive of visits with physicians, APPs, and uh, the array of ancillary services. Thanks so much. And Jennifer, what about you at Atrium Wake Forest? Thanks, Elizabeth. At Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist, we had just over 2.6 million ambulatory visits in 2023. And we are the academic arm of the larger advocate health system. Um, so that's specific to the Wake Forest market. You know, this is really incredible. I think some folks, even in the healthcare field, may be like, wow, that is huge because we have so many. I think the ratio, the last one I heard, is about 20 to 1 in terms of ambulatory versus inpatient visits. That's incredible. And you know, it's interesting. I suspect like most of our members for y'all's health systems, there's even higher demand than is reflected in those volumes. And alas, this is what the Patient Access Collaborative is all about. As we improve access to care, it certainly puts more pressure on the ambulatory practices. Mike, I know that uh, California-based UC Davis has really leaned into ambulatory access in the past couple of years. Huge demands in your market, the Sacramento area. Can you discuss the impact that access improvements have had on your 
ambulatory practices? Sure. You know, timely access to care is the most significant area of our focus for our outpatient leaders and practices. Um, we're the only academic medical center covering a large geographic area from the San Francisco Bay Area, north to Oregon Health Sciences and east to University of Utah Health. Uh, so it's a large region and it's growing faster locally than anticipated before the pandemic, you know, with migration of workforce from the San Francisco Bay Area for lower cost of living in Sacramento, we're growing uh, much faster than we anticipated. So meeting the demand and referral growth is a real challenge. Uh, it's access is driving our workforce planning, our facility expansion, our application of new technology, our products and services to try to meet patients in novel ways and become more efficient to be able to see more patients and serve more patients. So uh, examples are, you know, we're building a 14 uh, OR outpatient surgery center and two new floors of surgery clinics. We've implemented fast pass, epic fast pass, the auction style wait list to uh, gap fill late vacated appointments across primary care and every specialty clinic. Uh, we've launched an express care service for on-demand primary care access. And we've opened up Access Plus, which is Saturday and evening clinics to try to meet the rising demand. Thanks so much, Mike. And it's really interesting because I know you have a big role in the hospital. And to hear you talk about all of the amazing work that's happened on the ambulatory enterprise just makes me realize how focused we are as health systems. You know, historically, we've it's all been all about the bed tower. And now to see executives like yourself really leaning into the work on the ambulatory side is incredible. Alba, can you talk a little bit? You mentioned in your brief remarks also while Cornell and Columbia New York Presbyterian is a really complex access infrastructure. So can you talk a little bit about the access improvements that you've had on your practices? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very similar to what Mike spoke about, you know, there's tremendous amount of work we we do. New York Presbyterian partnering with our two Ivy Medical, uh, you know, schools, uh, Columbia and Cornell as a tripartite looking at where we need to expand to really manage our patients more holistically and our communities more holistically. We've done significant amount of access improvements around not only centralization of contact centers across three entities and three partners, which is you know quite an effort, uh, but also digitalization, chatbot, web bots, all, all the things you know Mike was talking about as well, provider referrals, which is key for us. How do you care navigate across this large kind of enterprise of ours. Um, so there's been a lot of work there. And when we talk about impact on the ambulatory care operations, as Mike was talking about like expansion work, we also have looked kind of just internally of what that's done to our actual operations and how we work day to day. And this opening up of all these channels has really increased significantly our patient encounters at the practice and provider level. And when we talk about encounters, you know, traditionally we talk about encounters as appointments, right? But now we've got a whole different evolution of encounters and we've got a lot of kind of more non-traditional virtual encounters, asynchronous, synchronous, patient portal pings, uh, CRM messages and in-baskets, you know, between our contact centers and our practice operations, as well as across the enterprise and even e-consults. So traditionally we used to think about practice staffing and infrastructure as 
hey, what are the number of providers you have? What is the expected you know, number of sessions and appointments they're going to have? And then you calculate out, this is how many support staff I need, space I need, supplies and equipment. And really, with this evolution, we have to think differently. That traditional way doesn't work. And so we've really worked on evolving our model to leverage better extended you know, care uh, models with care teams such as nurse practitioners, pharmacists to do med reconciliation for chronic diseases, uh, also build kind of centralized virtual clinical triage hubs for kind of an extension of our practices to offload the burden in them for incoming calls that are clinical, patient portal messages that are clinical related, like clinical advice, refills and referrals to be a one-stop shop. They're employed. We employ RNs and NPs in that infrastructure. And then also, you know, with health equity and health justice in mind, we have larger expectations of our practices too, in terms of access to not only health services, but social services, right? So we're screening more than ever about different social determinants of health and making sure we're connecting those patients to appropriate social services. So we've really evolved to a medical home. We're no longer providers in episodic care, right? We haven't been for a long time, but really wrapping care around our patients. So that's been a big evolution and, you know, front door to care and all the access channels have kind of elevated it even more, the need to change. My head is spinning thinking about the complexity of this all. You know, it used to be that ambulatory, like you were saying, is just that patient walking in the door, seeing the provider and walking out. (laughs) We just had to wrap around that staff. Really interesting. Well, it's interesting, Jennifer, because I believe of all of our senior leaders as part of the Patient Access Collaborative that you are the only one who has both access and ambulatory facilities. You have a really unique lens across the nation for our health system. So can you talk a little bit about some of the work related to access improvements at Atrium Wake Forest? Absolutely. So uh, much like my colleagues here, uh, really having to think about how we redesign ambulatory care and thinking beyond the bricks and mortar, you know, gone are the days of saying, oh, we just don't have any more space, so we can't see more patients. Well, now how can we be leveraging telehealth services, uh, what do expanded hours of operations need to look like uh, to meet the demands of our patients. So like everyone else in the country, you know, our demand is outpacing our capacity. And so we've been uh, putting a really big focus on new patient access across our medical groups. A few of the areas that we've been really focused on over the last couple of years are around standardizing our referral workflows and setting expectations in terms of that timely turnaround and ensuring that we're capturing as much of that new patient demand as possible and not you know, pushing appointments out further than they need to due to internal inefficiencies in how we process referrals. I mean, optimizing scheduling templates. Uh, I think everybody does that uh, and it's an evolutionary process. It never really ends. Uh, but we've been really focused on improving our slot utilization and making sure that our scheduling processes and protocols are aligned to find every possible opening that we can. Again, being hyper-focused on that booked lag and making sure that we're not pushing out appointments further than they need to be. Um, We've been really widening our digital front door, so expanding our telehealth services, expanding online scheduling across specialty practices, 
approach so that we can be more accessible to patients and filling those slots at all hours of the day and not just the ones when our contact centers are in operation. Um, so in total, you know, we had a successful 2023. The combination of these tactics netted us about a 6% increase in visit volume um, and improved payer mix, which is something we're always striving uh, to as well. And a higher proportion of new to return patient visits than we had in 2022. So again, really reevaluating how we're using our providers. Are we optimizing our APP? Should we be offloading return patient visits to APPs to open up more new patient capacity with our physicians? So just really making sure that we are maximizing um, all available resources and working top of license to really improve access. Wow, that's really incredible, all of that amazing work. And it's really interesting because I think, and maybe y'all can disagree with me, but we've really discovered, and Jennifer, you just listed off several of them, that uh, key performance metrics, that data is absolutely essential to access management. So I just wondered, like rapid fire, from the lens of a senior ambulatory leader, what access key performance metrics to you rely? Jennifer, let's start with you. Well, as you're alluding to, Elizabeth, there is no one perfect access metric. I think we all understand it takes looking at a lot of different data points to really understand your business and how access is impacting patients, uh, referring providers and your practices. But I will say over the last couple of years, Atrium Health Workforce has really honed in on that appointment booked lag and monitoring that time between when we get a request for an appointment or a referral to what is that next available appointment date that we are offering to people um, and implementing strategies and approaches to really try and reduce that booked lag. Back to my previous point around how we're leveraging all of our providers and our physical spaces and virtual spaces. But something that's interesting, in prior years, I always felt like I could pretty predictably say as our booked lag increases, it has a negative impact on our show rates. So as book lag goes up, no-show rates go up. We did not see that in 2022. So while our book lag did increase, our show rates actually stayed pretty flat, if not improved a bit. And so we've been trying to hypothesize it. What's driving that? Because it's kind of counterintuitive, right? I think it really is an indication of how oversaturated our communities and our markets are. There is not enough capacity for the demand we're seeing. So the days of patients being able to easily shop around and find another healthcare provider that can offer access in a significantly better or shorter time frame, it feels like that's reducing and we're feeling some compression in that area. Be interesting to see if that carries forward in 2023. Either way, at Atrium, we see patient access as really the cornerstone for providing safe, quality care. So our goal is to continue to implement strategies to reduce that booked lag um, and really focusing on those high impact areas like cancer, heart and vascular, um, wanting to make sure that we're not uh, pushing out those patients uh, further than we would otherwise desire. So I would say right now, booked lag is the one that I've, I'm really laser focused on. Thank you so much. It's definitely an interesting perspective too from the patient, right? Is that booked lab because that's really their lens. Alpa, can you talk about uh, what you and this, the new role that you have with operational <laughs> performance improvement? I mean, what, what are you looking at in terms of ambulatory access? 
Yeah, similar to, you know, Jennifer, the the volume, the book lag, new patient rates, and those are so, so important. But more recently, especially in my focus, since you're asking, um, is really capacity, right? And so uh, three metrics that I've been revolving over and really speaking loudly to within our division is impanelment metrics, panel size, right? And people don't talk about that metric as much and schedule utilization and provider utilization, right? So uh, we had created uh, a couple of years ago an impanelment dashboard, and this was with close, close leadership with our clinical leaders in primary care and our analytic partners. And really this impanelment dashboard gives us visibility into our providers' actual patient panels the case miss index complexity of them, understanding, because again, in a medical center, we have physicians who uh, are doing multiple things. So really understanding the true direct clinical care supply hours um, and really kind of calculating out based on that, the ideal panel size for any given provider in practice and the actual. And what we find is that sometimes we were able to see, right? which providers and practices are under or over panel. So the idea here is that, you know, while we're focused on bringing in new patients, we want to, like Jennifer said, ensure safe care and proper follow-up access. Once we've established care with the patient, they should be able to get in and get an appointment. So it's really important to kind of balance that. So we use that type of impanelment data along with the schedule utilization to see how well are the appointments that we made available, you know, being scheduled into, where are the gaps? Do we have the right balance of acute and uh, routine visits for established patients to the new access that we need to maintain in our schedules as well for new patients? Um, And also kind of looking at in the end with no-show rates and everything else Jennifer talked about, how are we actually ultimately filling our schedules? And are there opportunities? And especially in the division I work with, which is community and population health, we really serve some of the most vulnerable population. So our no-show rates when we're comparing to some of those industry standards are always a challenge. And the interventions we have to do to make sure that those barriers are removed for patients to get in the door, uh, virtual or in-person, is really key. So those particular three metrics panel size and impanelment, you know, uh, schedule utilization, provider utilization has been really key for me more lately. Thank you so much. And and it really speaks to how important data is to drive decisions. I mean, you've both mentioned some incredible metrics. So thank you for sharing those. The access teams, the call center, digital front door, We've got a lot of teams, performance improvement, data analytics, provide a conduit for patients to enter our health systems. But at the end of the day, the ambulatory practices, the providers and the team around them, the care team get the job done. Super precise machinery and all of these components have to work seamlessly and effectively together. So I wanted to see if we could have Mike, you're uh, really, I know the ambulatory enterprise is, you know, one component of the wide scope that you have. And I think your perspective is particularly important. Can you talk about the organizational structure? I know we joke about if you've seen one academic medical center, you've seen one academic medical center, but like, how do we do ambulatory and access? And I'm just going to ask you, is there an ideal structure if you don't mind, in your response. 
Well, I'll lead with that. I don't think there's an ideal structure. You know, I, I ours is in constant evolution. I think it depends on where you are as a health system, as an ambulatory group of practices, as a medical group, what your current pain points are, what's happening in your environment. So I don't think there's one way to, to do this, but constantly reflecting and, and assessing and improving your structure to meet your current aspirations and and, and needs, I think is is the key. So at UC Davis Health, we are, again, evolving uh, now. We have uh, formerly had a two COO structure with an ambulatory leader and an inpatient leader, and that served us incredibly well for the last five years, as as we've discussed, more and more complex care moves to the ambulatory setting, and we needed to perhaps catch up on some delayed uh, investment in the outpatient setting. We don't need that structure now. So we've moved to a single system COO structure with a chief ambulatory officer reporting up to the system COO for better integration of inpatient and outpatient care. So again, uh, we evolve with, with where, where we are in the system. We've got hospital-based clinics largely located on campus or in the immediate vicinity and then medical practices throughout the region. We've got uh, an employed community physician group that is a primary care group, mostly located off campus in those medical practices, and then uh, offer a great deal of multi-specialty care at those locations, almost 50-50 now, primary care and specialty care through uh, partnership with our School of Medicine specialty faculty. We've got executives who are in charge of operations for primary care, surgical specialties, and non-surgical specialties, with a little bit of overlap for cross-coverage in those uh, portfolio assignments. We've got uh, one executive over outpatient ancillary services, pharmacy, lab, radiology, therapy, social work, dietary, other uh, ancillary services, and a matrix relationship with their inpatient partners, again, for investment and coordination of care and clinical pathways. We've got a ambulatory chief nursing officer uh, who has a joint reporting to the CNE and to the ambulatory chief officer uh, for oversight of all the clinical workflows and pathways, regulatory compliance, and a team of talented nurse leaders that uh, are responsible for our clinical personnel, a population health unit, a patient contact center that we've launched uh, in the last several years with, uh, with great success. And then our practices locally are run by the triad, the medical director, the nurse leader and the practice manager, all working as a, as a team uh, to orchestrate and, and manage the local practices. Maybe the only uh, other significant change I might mention is we now have one medical director per service line. So previously, if you received orthopedic care at one of our seven or eight locations offering orthopedic surgery, you might have different uh, medical directors and a different patient experience. We now have one medical director over that entire service line for better integration and, and standardization of care. Well, I know all of us are patients, and I think all of us are excited to be able to listen to that as well, because it does feel a little clunky when we're patients ourselves, when we're going from outpatient to inpatient or inpatient to outpatient. It's like two different groups really being able to manage it. So really exciting to hear and uh, thinking about what an iterative 
process that ambulatory is. There is no ideal structure. And every time I call an academic medical center, it seems like (laughs) there's a different organizational structure. Well, uh, just one last question for y'all. And I think every one of you has mentioned this, this, this really, this challenge related to supply and demand where we just don't have enough capacity. And so I just want to, we only have a few more minutes. Like, um, Alpa, maybe let's start with you. Capacity management. Can you just describe one way that y'all are working in addition to the analytics that you already talked about to focus on capacity management? Yeah, actually, capacity has been a big extra focus the end of last year and beginning uh, this year because, you know, we were focusing so much on the front door um, previously. And we realized that you could do all that you want, but ultimately, if there's not a place for that patient to land, it's all for nothing. And so we actually recently brought in a consultant um, to help us to partner with our enterprise, Columbia and Cornell, to build a capacity index. And really, you know, we talked about using the data, but this is making sure that across all service lines, across our enterprise, we kind of have an equal way of measuring because sometimes it doesn't always look equal and it depends on how we present the data where the capacity is. So it's really a platform to equally measure capacity with its various levers across the enterprise. It's broken down by entity, service line, down to a provider level, and um, it gives you a transparency from beginning to end. Your expected clinical hours, specifically the direct clinical hours that are, you know, expected uh, by service line, by provider, and then really matching, you know, what are we making available in our schedule templates, right? And then ultimately of what we're making available, what gets filled um, and how well are we at filling that and completing those. Uh, Also gives insight into levers such as support staff and space. So it's a pretty robust, amazing index that's pulling in from our Cornell FPO sites, our Columbia sites, as well as our New York Presbyterian Bass ambulatory site. So it's a pretty exciting launch. Uh, and really the idea is, is the data is great, but how do we use that and some of our other tools to really optimize? So we've actually created a pretty significant governance structure within our access to care effort across the three entities. Um, and there's these six pillars we've created. And one particular of those pillars is access and practice optimization. And so really taking this data and deciding as an enterprise, what are some of the service lines we want to focus on where we're seeing in the index capacities and important, you know, in uh, a gap. And also that we have a vision that like as an enterprise, we want to, you know, expand in that service line. And so using that data is going to be key and that optimization pillar and the optimization team built to help support us get there is going to be key. So uh, we're excited. We're launching this capacity index and we'll see where it goes. We definitely have the infrastructure built and governance structure to, to push it forward. That's awesome. Defining our greatest asset, our provider's time. I love the capacity index. Thanks for describing that. Jennifer, what about you? What are you doing in terms of capacity? Yeah, you know, it's an aspirational goal to think that we can optimize templates once and, you know, walk away and everything will just keep humming along. We know it's not the case. It's a journey. And so um, right now, the journey that we are on is that we are in the middle of an epic to epic transition within the Atrium Health System. And so we've really used this as an opportunity to go in and reevaluate templates. You know, 
reduce the number of visit types and blocks on schedules so that we're better able to just fill a slot. Um, cleaning up provider templates to remove held time and private slots. Uh, this past year, we refreshed our template guidelines and have been applying those to templates to see, you know, where have things fallen off course in terms of making sure that we have the right new to return patient ratios, all those things. We also implemented a new approach to building new provider templates. So in the past, we would hear new providers coming. We would get input from the operational leaders about, you know, their schedule is going to look like X or Y without really crosswalking that to any KPIs or production expectations. And so we've changed our approach now. So when a new provider is coming in, we're now pulling in their department's historical slot utilization and show rate and matching that up against the clinical FTE for the provider and what the visit production is expected to be to make sure that we're building their templates in a way that sets them up for success from the beginning, rather than just kind of, you know, a wing and a prayer and hoping that their schedule fills up like their colleagues, being a lot more intentional and in making sure that uh, we're connecting patients to those new access points. Great. I really appreciate that. And I'm laughing to think about the wing and a prayer because that's how ambulatory has been <laughs> operated for a number of years. So it's just incredible to hear y'all talk about this amazing work. We've been discussing the juncture of ambulatory operations and access to care. I'm so pleased uh, with me. I've had three guests and want to thank them profusely. Mike Condren, who's the Interim Chief Administrator of UC Davis Medical Center and Interim COO of UC Davis Health Hospital Division. We've also had Jennifer Hayden, who's the Associate Vice President of Patient Access and Ambulatory Facilities for Atrium Health at Wake Forest Baptist. And uh, Alpa Prasher, who is the Director of Operational Performance Improvement for Ambulatory Care Services of New York Presbyterian Hospital. Thanks all three of y'all. We really appreciate it. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Patient Access Collaborative All Access Pass podcast. The conversation doesn't end here. Visit the Patient Access Collaborative for more content on our blog at www.patientaccesscollaborative.net or our LinkedIn page. Members can access a massive library of resources, including past webinars, benchmarks, directories, and more. Not a member but interested in these resources and joining a group of 3,000 patient access leaders? Join the Patient Access Collaborative today. Find real solutions to the challenges in your daily work by sharing ideas, contacts, and best practices with industry leaders in the Patient Access Collaborative. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you listen to the podcast. Until next time.